Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the UBS Market Moves podcast channel for the next installment of the Macro Monthly Podcast with UBS Asset Management. For today, our conversation will focus on the team's outlook for 2024. I would like to introduce our featured guests joining us for today's conversation. Glad to welcome back Evan Brown, Portfolio Manager and Head of Multi-Asset Strategy, Nicole Goldberger, Portfolio Manager and Co-Head of Global Multi-Asset Portfolio Management, as well as Tom Dignan, Head of America's Investment Solutions Specialists. So with that, Tom, I'll pass it over to you to lead today's conversation. Welcome back. Well, thank you, Dan. And it it is a special edition. I'm excited to uh, look forward because it's been quite an eventful year in 2023. But I think now we're at the point is, you know, we we can kind of approach... um, the end of the year to take a look at 2024. So, Evan, why don't you start off, uh, take us through your macro outlook for 2024. Sure, Tom. So, uh, we are very much in the in the soft landing camp. Uh, we see growth holding up with inflation coming down, and uh, this is what we've what we've seen, and and we've been, you know, actually our expectations for the amount that inflation would decline by now have actually been been beat. Uh, we've now had 2.5% core PCE inflation over the last six months annualized. PCE is, is what the uh, what the Fed is most for, focused on. And, and that's so important, not just for Fed policy, but for growth, because the labor market is cooling. Household incomes are gradually cooling. But inflation is cooling a lot faster than household and in, in, household income. So that means that real incomes are growing at a healthy rate and that allows the consumer to keep consuming. So that, that's really key to our, to our view is that you know, as, as the economy slows, you're getting this offset with inflation coming down faster and consumption continuing. But I also just want to make a broader point here, Tom, which is that, you know, with, in, in what circumstances do you generally get recessions? You get a recession when um, there's businesses and consumers are overextended and then suddenly have to pull back. As a whole, household net worth to disposable income is, is close to record highs. So the, the aggregate consumer household is in, is in good shape. Uh, not overextended by any means. And businesses, uh, we were just looking at a conference board survey um, that, that, that asked CEOs you know, if they're preparing for a recession. And, and over the last 18 months, 90% have been preparing for a recession. In fact, only just over the last quarter, that started to, started to decrease. But the point I want to make here is that you know, if, if a company has been preparing for a recession, for this long, then by definition, they're not going to be overextended. So I think that's the, there, there's this resilience in private sector balance sheets that um, lead us to think we're not, we're not going to fall off a cliff here in the, in the economy, even as we just cool down a bit. Well, that's, that's fantastic news. And I know your theme throughout 2023 has been on economic resilience and it really played out. So you've been right, right on there. So we have this positive news on the inflation front. Um, what is it? What do you think that means for the Fed? We had a really important uh, speech last week from Fed Governor Waller 
<clears throat> who's been one of the most hawkish members of the of, of the FOMC, and he came out and basically said, if inflation continues around the pace that that it is, that they could be cutting as as soon as March. Essentially, that's that's what he said, and so it, that really brought forward um, even our expectations of when we could see start to see rate cuts. Previously, we thought it would be more of something that you'd see in the second half. But now the Fed is is really acknowledging all this all this progress, and um, they're saying you know growth can stay quite healthy, but if inflation is coming down, we can we can be cutting rates, and it's the first time they're really actively talking about about cutting rates. So, you know, if we if we get those those cuts, a lot of the and just the market pricing in those rate cuts is easing financial conditions significantly. That provides another underpinning for, uh, for, for growth there. And a lot of the things that you would kind of worry about in terms of just rates being too high for consumers or, or for businesses, some of those are, are, are being, concerns are being eased as we, as we speak. Um, so that, that is also encouraging for the economic outlook. Well, that's great. When, and I know you're talking about the U.S. What, what about the economic Outlook outside the United States. So, the, when we look around the world, Europe, Europe's kind of been a muddle through, and what else is new? That's uh, tends to be tends to be the case. Uh, you know, Europe actually is seeing also very positive developments on real incomes in the sense that employment has been fine. And inflation is falling even faster now in Europe than it is in the U.S., but there, there's a little more hesitance of consumers to, to spend, which we think is related to the, the Russia-Ukraine war and the natural gas shock, and so some um, some extra caution there. Um, Europe's also been affected by uh, China's slowdown. Europe exports a lot to, to China, so that's that's um, it's been an issue as well. We're beginning to see some green shoots in European manufacturing. So that makes us think that between that and the real income story, things makes us think that Europe hangs on without without having a recession. But uh but yeah, it's just kind of a sluggish Europe here, not too much to get excited about. Well and you mentioned one of the things they are dependent on is China. So what what about China? And so China is is in the midst of a what's going to be a structural long term deleveraging process um, related to the property sector. And that is going to be a weight on growth uh, for for a long time. When we look at the rest of the economy, it's actually doing okay. Um, consumer spending, fixed asset investment, outside of property, uh, they, they, they've all been bouncing back reasonably well. There's been increasing steps by Chinese policymakers to put a floor under growth and provide a little bit more support for the property sector. Um, but much like Europe, it's, it's, it's sluggishness uh, in, in China as well right now. Well, when I hear a sluggish Europe combined with you know, China deleveraging sluggishness, that, that sounds discouraging. So what, you know, what does that mean for the global economy? And so I would, what we'd argue is that it's, it's not such a bad thing, uh, given the current economic context right now, in the sense that uh, with broader global manufacturing uh, being 
a little bit a little bit soft and Europe a little soft, China a little bit soft, right? Big manufacturers. That's allowed goods prices to come down. And that's been really important. I mean, it's that and also just supply chain scaling. But that's been very, very important because it's taking more time for services inflation to come down. But the fact that we're getting this goods price deflation is what's enabling the Fed to start talking about rate cuts. Um, and so that's easing financial conditions for for us here in the U.S., you know, the world's most important uh, economy. But it's also providing some cushion for, for Europe and China in that, you know, lower rates and a, a dollar that's not strengthening as it, as it was is taking some pressure off of, of those economies, too. Well, a lot of good combinations, U.S. soft landings, rate cuts, good prices coming down, uh, lower rates. Those are things that are very positive to look forward to. If I were to ask you, you know, risks, what, what would your three biggest risks be to, to, the, to the view that you have? So, yeah, so the first, the first two would be on the growth side and the last one on the inflation side. So the first two, um, you know, we, we, whenever the labor market is cooling, there is a risk that it just continues and continues to, to cool. Um, we don't think it will, but, uh, but we're watching very closely, uh, the, the labor market and some of the higher frequency indicators, which look, which look okay right now. And the labor market is still, we'd still describe it as tight. Um, but there's always the possibility of kind of this nonlinear spike in, in unemployment. Um, don't think we'll, we'll have a shock that causes that, but that's something we're keeping an eye on. And then, then talking about the consumer in general, uh, aggregate household balance sheet is in great shape, but those at the, at the lower end of the income distribution, uh, are facing some pressure as you'd expect when rate hikes, um, when, when, you know, the Fed rate hikes rates as much as it has credit card delinquencies have picked up, auto delinquencies have picked up. Now, so far, those are just normalizing. We're just getting now back to uh, pre-COVID levels. Um, but, but that's another thing that, that we don't want to get away from us. So we're watching that as well. And, and the, the last thing on inflation, so two and a half percent six month annualized inflation is great. Uh, are we going to continue at that pace? I think it might be a little bit bumpier, and that's also one reason why I don't know that, um, you know, the Fed is going to cut quite as much as is being currently priced in at the moment. But, uh, uh, but you know, we so there's this question of this last mile of disinflation. Does it continue? I think it does. It'll continue a little bit at a slower pace, slower pace the disinflation, but. Um, uh, but we're watching to see if it if it kind of gets stuck and you don't get that improvement in real incomes that we're that we're calling for. So those those are the three things we're watching most closely. All right, thanks. Yeah, the inflation makes sense. It's it's like a marathon. The last mile is probably the toughest. It's probably the slowest, at least for most people. Thank you, Evan. I'm ex- I'm excited about 2024, and I like is a pretty optimistic outlook. 
As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy. 